This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 55 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Index Fund Advisors, IFA.com. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network. And today we have Petra Moser, a Monty Roberts certified instructor from Switzerland. And we have Mel Hetfield, who melds technology and horsemanship and saves horses. This is Debbie Lauks, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thank you for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I have my producer, Jen, with me today. Hi, Jen. Hello. Nice to be here again. Yeah, I'm glad to have you back. We had a really fun time last time. Um, wow. Big. It was kind of an interview. epic show. Yeah. It was. It was, it was for me, epic. it was kind of our Christmas show, our big, big one of the year. We kind yeah. of saved it all for the last. But, you know, I think this is a really nice one to go walk into 2016 with. Uh, this is our last episode of 2015. And I really like the, um, you know, for Horsemanship Radio, I think this is perfect episode. What do you think? I agree. Um, this, I think this episode touches two things that I think are relevant when you think about the new year, you know, making uh, New Year's resolutions, you know, looking at life in a new way. We have two guests who, when we chatted with them, made me think about what I do with horses just differently enough that I went, oh, I can, I can incorporate that into my everyday life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how you, when you make, when you make New Year's resolutions, we usually fail at them because we make a giant resolution without a plan on how to get there. <laughs> yeah. You lose 30 pounds. Well, you <laughs> fail. Or, um, I'm going to run five miles a day and we fail, but we, mm-hmm. there's never a plan on how to get there or mm-hmm. anything like that. It's just that big one. This one, I think, has a lot of little nuggets that people are going to go, oh, that's going to help me get there. That's going to help me get there. That's going to help me get there. And our first guest is still getting there. She's got that big plan, but she's also got the plan to get there. And then our second guest uh, talks a little bit about how Monty's 2016 tour is going to be helping people get there. Yes, and, you know, it's incremental, but it, it is, I think the word nuggets was really good on your part, too. They're just little um, gold pieces of information that these gals, I don't even know if they know that they're expounding on it because it's just their experiences. It's just the try and fail and try and fail and what's helping them uh, teach people and also helping them get um understood by their horses. I mean, it's, it's really not, the burden is not on the horses at all. We really need to understand what's going on when we step into that field with the horses. And, and, uh, we'll talk a little bit about that a little, there's a little therapy in there and there's yeah. certainly a lot of, a lot of teaching. Uh, you know, uh, we get the question a lot. Uh, dad gets this question. Monty Roberts gets this question a lot. And, um, I think most people who deal with horses and, teach natural horsemanship, get this question a lot. So there is this language and uh, Monty calls it the language language equus. That's right. It is the gestural language. It's a silent language like signing for the deaf. Um, All the horses on earth understand it. Uh, It's their language. It's it's not something we've... um, 
uh, trained them for. Uh, it's something that uh, dad perceived. He picked up on it when he was a teenager. And a lot of people say, oh, that's what I've been doing. So it's a natural instinct if you're really good uh, with horses. Um, and and I think, it de- so he contained it in a term, join up. And a lot of people think of join up the term as a process. Like first you send a horse away in a round pen and then you begin to look for the signs like uh, an ear locked on on the inside looking at you and an ear looking for the outside sounds of the, you know, survival mechanism. And then there's the licking and chewing where the adrenaline starts dropping and the horse's head starts relaxing and their whole uh, system starts relaxing a bit. Then there's the smaller circles and then finally, you know, so that's the process that everybody understands uh, bringing a horse to uh, a, a trusting moment called join up. But really, I don't think dad ever conceived of join up as a step-by-step process per se. He was doing this naturally, you know, long before um, he exposed it to the world. So he would say, yeah, okay, there's your moment of join up. He didn't have to do it in a round pin. He he could do it on 12 acres if he had to, but it takes more stamina. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, gotta, yeah. you have to be insane and, bolt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, you can achieve it in a pasture. You can achieve it in a sand paddock. It, it really is uh, all those signs that that horse gave you that he says, okay, you understand my language. Now I'm going to, if you invite me in, I'm going to trust you. But dad would say it's not just, join up. It's living by join up for the rest of your life. So somebody might ask quickly, well, wait a minute, how many times should I do join up? <gasps> yeah, how many? That that is yeah, a good how question. many times? What is the magic number of join ups? Do I keep doing this forever? Um, and he would say, of course not. Uh, the horse is going to get real irritated with you and you'll know pretty soon that the, you can't do it forever because the horse will go, that's a really boring story. Stop telling me that story. <laughs> and, <laughs> So he really intended it to be more of a living by a principle of join up, which means that when you go into a stall and that horse's butt is facing you, uh-uh, you wait until that horse comes and faces you. So if you have to push him a little, put a little pressure on him or something to get him to turn his head to you, that's horse language for, oh, I give you respect. Uh, and so there's there's so many of these little interactions that you just brought that, you just opened that up, Jen. These little day-to-day interactions with our horses uh, is the relationship that we have with our horses. It is the horses that want that relationship with us. And they are letting us, they're so generous this way, establish those relationships if we know what we're doing. Goosebumps. And I Sorry, yeah, I just had to it, say that. It is funny. <laughs> it's audio, so you can't see, you know, goosebumps. And that is so true because I started down this road because I had a horse that I needed to interact with safely that was having a lot of difficulty interacting with humans. It was, it was unpleasant, if not dangerous for both. So out of desperation, I know a little bit about this whole Equus language thing. Let me try it. And I've been going down that road and I, I don't do round pen work. Don't have a round pen. Don't own the horse. Don't have the right to train him. But I do have the right and the ability to interact with him on a daily basis in a way that is safe and helpful and trusting. So I've been taking these Equus language techniques that I'm learning in little tiny increments. And it's made a huge, it's just night and day with that particular horse. But it's like, wait a minute, well, why can't I interact with every horse that way? And it's been fascinating because 
horses who have no exposure at all to any natural horsemanship training technique of any sort, the better I am at using that equus language, the more pleasant, the more trusting, and the more fun everything I do with my horses. Everything from walking out into the field to scratch his ears to taking him for a ride to putting his tack on and off. It's 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 a paradigm shift, but it's a paradigm shift that's been happening in smaller steps. So it's really kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> and this is with Pablo, right? Yeah. Well, Pablo, and I'm also, as I said, I'm trying to use it with every horse. So when I work with Pablo, huge difference because Pablo now trusts me as a human sufficiently that he's no longer dangerous to me and him, me, me or himself. Or himself, yeah. And it's, it gets better and better and better all the time. Um, and it's not a case of how many times have I done join up. It's mm-hmm. every, and I had, that was, that was a learning curve for me because I thought when he first started, when I first started to understand Equus sufficiently that he understood me because he's never unlearned that. He kind of expects a human to act that way because if a ha- human acts any other way, he's terrified of you. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started to see positive results there, I thought, well, well, I can, once he gets that, I can just go back to dealing with him like I would any other horse. You walk up to him, you look right at him, and you stuff a halter on his face. But that's not the case at all. And at first I was disappointed. I went, oh, well, that sucks. He didn't get it. No, I didn't get it. <laughs> he got it. I didn't get it. I need to, I need to use that language all the time. Yeah. So Glenn and I have both been kind of practicing a little bit of that as we interact with our own horses. And it's been kind of cool to watch how the different horses um, they all have their own learning curves too, because they're, they're learning to trust that we're speaking truthfully because they know that we can pretend to speak Equus and not really. Yeah, I guess they might. They, yeah, they might do that. I think they test. They yeah. test precisely. Mm-hmm. They, they test to go, well, you never talked to that way to me before. Are you going to keep doing it? Mm-hmm. And for them, partly because they're mischievous, especially Scooter. You know, <laughs> he's a challenger. And it's been so fun. To go so when do you when do you think this is going to be like pervasive? When do you think everybody will say, "Oh yeah, this is just so much more fun. Why wouldn't everybody do this?" Uh, when when does it become natural for us oh. to do that? Wow, when if I use the uh, safety helmet analogy, I'm I'm going to say in a in one generation it will be the norm. Ooh, good. Really so that do. means the kids that are growing up, those 12-year-old girls who dad wants to, he said if, if he doesn't believe in reincarnation, but if he ever came back as a horse, he wants to be the horse of a 12-year-old girl. Oh, I know. Isn't that cool? <laughs> he, he yeah. Want, yeah. <laughs> so do you think those 12-year-old girls, they're going to they're gonna be the one? They're going to be the next generation. I, yeah. I think that not necessarily being good at it, not necessarily um, practicing, I think it's going to be one of those things, just like riding helmets. It's going to be, Oh yeah, you wear a riding helmet when you ride, don't you? Yeah. It's going to be, oh yeah, I as when I work with a horse, I need to learn the horse's language, not the other way around. Good. I yeah. think that's where we're going to be in a generation. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I look forward to it. Yeah. And I can't and I can't wait to uh for everybody to hear these two guests because as I said, just not, and I I I think of them as malted milk balls of knowledge because ah, I'm, I'm hungry like- right now. <laughs> Malted milk balls of knowledge from Petra and Melanie. 
Hi, I'm Mark Hebner, president of Index Fund Advisors and proud owner of Monty Roberts Willing Partners graduate, He's a Sugar Bear. <laughs> you know, investment portfolios are a lot like horses. You need to find one that best suits you, your temperament, and your stage of life. Some people might like an energetic horse and an aggressive investment portfolio, while others are more comfortable with a gentle ride and a more conservative investment portfolio. The trick is to find the one that's right for you. That's what Index Fund Advisors is all about, matching people with portfolios, risk-appropriate, low-cost, and globally diversified investment portfolios. You can find the right portfolio for you by taking the Risk Capacity Survey at ifa.com. That's IFA as an Index Fund Advisors. Or you can call us toll-free at 888-643-3133. That's 888-643-3133. Melanie Hetfield is a social media advisor, a photographer, a horse whisperer, and a horse's friend. She's an equus communicator, a trainer, a bareback instructor, a horse rescuer, offering horse therapy for humans. She teaches how to ease your stress out in the field, and she does it with horses. She has eight horses of her own to care for and four are rescues, and a retired mare, too, that she helps out with. She is looking uh, for land right now to expand on her dream. Welcome, Melanie Hetfield. I'm so excited to have you on the show. How are you, Mel? I'm fine. Thank you very much, Debbie. It's fantastic being connected to you and to be on your show. I've listened to it quite a lot. Oh, that's nice. Thank you for the flattering. Um, And you're so sweet to have stayed up well into the evening for us, having cups of tea waiting for our call. So thank you very much for that. Indeed, (laughs) yes. Well, I was excited to have you on today because we 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 love your accent, first of all. So let's just get that right out. <laughs> I, I have an I, accent? You, oh, I'm no, sorry. We do. That's right. I forgot. Sorry. <laughs> That's, fine, That's fine, Debbie. That's fine. And you're a, you're a wonderful horse person. And so, of course, you know, you fit our, our horsemanship radio perfectly. But I really wanted to talk about your menagerie and, and some of the goals that you've had in your life because you're an interesting woman in that you, you we've introduced you as a social media advisor, a photographer, a, a, you know, an equus communicator, and you have so many things going that I think a lot of people envy your your being able to do that. Do you do you find that you're in an envious position? Oh, I've never actually thought of it that way. Oh, yeah. I just enjoy what I do. I was going to say I just enjoy what I do, and I've I think. The horsemanship, uh, all the horses, photography, um, and also the social media side of things. It's just something that I can blend all together and they mm. all complement each other. They do. Actually, it does work. I mean, it's wonderful to be able to wear a corporate hat and and be able to work with your horses too. Not that it probably, yeah. you know, is making you a millionaire or anything. But. No, <laughs> far from it. <laughs> Far from it, but you but you do live your dream, and and that's something that we all aspire to do, and um, and we you know for that reason we wanted to talk to you about how you do it. You have eight horses that you have to care for. Four of them are rescues. Tell us a little bit about that background. How did you get into the rescues? Um, basically, it started when I promised my daughter um, a horse um, when she passed one of her horse exams for the uh, the pony club that um, mm. she was involved with. Mm. Um, and the first horse that spoke to me 
as it were, um, was this sorry looking, a supposedly Welsh D cross Arab pony. Um, I've never seen such a sorry state of a horse. He looks so bloated, bless him. Mm. Um, And I just had to take him. Um, So that was, he was miles too small for her. Um, He was only 21 months. And then after a week of having him on a proper diet of hay and um, grazing, um, he was just skin and bones underneath. Mm. Um, So that was our starting point of rescuing. Mm. And then it just went on from there. And I'm a sucker for horses that need help. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What what was your daughter's age at that time? Um, She was 12 at the time. Well, uh, she's done perfect. really well. She's doing very well now as well with the riding. As she's, uh, she wants to go professional with it eventually. Excellent. What does she ride now? What's her discipline? Um, still at the stages of doing the pony club. Um, mm-hmm. she loves dressage, and she struggles with jumping um, because she has got scoliosis. So leaning forwards into the jump position, she struggles with. Yeah. Um, so I think it's going to be dressage. Um, but she also does have a dab at the horse communication as well. So I think there's something there for her. Excellent. And how do you know that? Has she, has she been achieving join up? What does she do in the horse communication side? Yeah. So we'll go from join up. So yes, yeah, she does um, achieve join up with the horses. Um, she's also got uh, this autistic way of thinking so that, when new horses come on, they're actually the first ones that she bonds or she bonds with them first before me. Mm. And there's just something there that they see in her as if a need is greater in her, if that makes mm. sense than themselves. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and they want to join with her, um, which actually helps them with their rehabilitation. Oh, look at that. If they So it's not that they feel that there is a mm, a lack in her. They actually feel an affinity to her. Is that am I reading yes. it right? Yeah. Yes, that, yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh uh do do you did you come into this at an early age too where you felt like you know horses had an, uh, empathy for you and vice versa? Were you young? Um Interesting. Yeah, I started riding when I was 16, um, so a few few millions ago. Um, but I didn't start thinking about my actions with horses because I've been on many horses in the past where they say, oh, hit the damn thing. And mm. I always felt bad about doing that. And it wasn't until um, um, she got involved with horse riding from when she was two. And I started then communicating with horses on a different level. Mm-hmm. Um, even down to the point, but one of the last horses that I rode, I've not ridden for three years because I've, I've been rescuing horses and they're all too small for me. Mm. Um, so the last horse I rode, it was one of those types of horses that they said hit the damn thing and I refused to do it. Um, but I used my disability and my hips and my back and everything to actually say, well, I can't join in the lesson. I'm going to do my bit in the middle. And then I started to communicate differently with the horse and a horse that was supposed to be uh, a behaviour issue horse um, started responding differently with me. And that's mm-hmm. where it actually all started. Mm-hmm. So, and it wasn't actually, it was shortly after that that I learned about Monty um, and I signed up for the um, online university. Oh, yeah, great. Well, tell us about that. So have you used that in your your training and uh, as an instructor? Absolutely. Yeah, great, great. Yes, and- yes I do. Um, I recommend it and and. Um, ask people to go to it as well in order to actually learn more about their horses and different approaches in order to help their behavior horses. 
Well, thank you for that. I appreciate that. Welcome. Um, no, no, it's yeah. good. The information on there is fantastic. So, no, absolutely. Good. Well, we've we've tried to be really broad. What what um, areas of it, are, or maybe you're using it across the board, what areas of it do you think specifically have helped in the therapy side? Uh, after, oh, I'm going to tie this in with the uni because I think it's important, yeah? After I'd gone through a lot of the horse behaviour things that, that Monty teaches on the university, um, and even down to the bit where we had, oh, I can't pronounce his name, um, and I've spoken to him, he's a lovely chap. Let's is find, a, I'm on the, is um, he, um, Florian. I can't say Florian, his last name. I'll say it for you, it's so cute. Florian Oberperleiter. <laughs> I'm really glad you said that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, but there was flow. something... Yeah, there was something in his training sessions that just actually started me thinking, hang on a minute, from the feelings and the energies that he's putting into the horse there and how he's dealing with the horse. Um, I started to apply that more in with my horses and then realised as I was having clients come to the land um, that the horses were interacting differently with the different types of clients that I had come on. So I'll give you an example. I've got twins that come and you couldn't have two different characters for twins. One's very gentle, the other's very hyperactive. Mm. Um, And just how the horses responded differently with these clients showed me a way that I can actually use this as therapy. Um, So then I started having autistic children coming um, and all basically on groundwork um, up to the point where um, they can become confident in order to sit on a bareback horse without getting too excited and exciting the horse. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Uh, yeah, mm. it's all about that physio. Uh, so you're you're actually getting the horses uh, or the people to sync with the horses, I guess, in their physiology. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Yes. Yeah. I'll jump in here with uh, we we introduced you as one of your skills is teaching people to how to ease their stresses by using the horses out in the fields. Tell us a little bit about that. I'm fascinated. Yeah. Okay. Well, moving it further on from um, the, the communication with the training with the kids and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, when people come to see the horses first, because I don't charge for people to come and meet the horses. Um, so it's not until they've actually agreed for lessons and stuff that I actually start charging them. Um, and sometimes they'll come out and they'll have a whole hour with me out in the fields with the horses. And we go through um, the different behaviour or personalities, you could say, not behaviour, personalities of the horses that I've got. And while we're actually talking about the personalities, the horses are drawn to the person that's with me. But what I noticed as well is that the it's not the same horse that's drawn to the same person. What I'm trying to say is when the um, the person that's with me is in the field, one of the horses will choose the person mm. and that horse will come up to the person and help the person. And when that one horse has chosen the person, all the other horses go away, leaving the one horse with the person and me. And you, in your experience, this is pretty consistent. You've watched this happen consistently. What do you think um, the horse is ch- choosing that person for? Um, I think for the individual needs of the person. Um, so without talking or saying what the person's stresses are, which I think uh, from a therapy point of view, um, I'm going to bring therapists into this. If if we go to a therapist, we know we've got to talk to that person. We know they make notes. Yeah, so technically, 
nothing's confidential because it's all written down somewhere. Mm-hmm. However, when you come out to the horses, yeah, you can talk to the horses about anything and they're not going to tell us all. Mm-hmm. Okay. So okay. I think the horse that picks that person feels whatever that person needs um, so that that person can open up their inner selves, if that makes sense, and help yeah, relieve yeah. the stress that's inside of them. I think you described what every woman feels about getting away for their horsey time. And uh, so it totally makes sense to anybody. But we might yes. not have we might not have actually um, figured out the whole depth of what you're you're seeing because you're seeing it in multiples with your clients. Yes, I am. So that's yes. that's interesting. Yeah, that is so interesting. So how I mean you've got fields out there on your property. How many acres do you have? Three. Three? And you've got eight yes. horses? Or <laughs> um, well, actually, I've got six horses on my three acres. And then um, the, there's the, the other two horses that I look after are on another two acres, just a couple of fields down from me. Um, so eight horses really on five acres, which is nowhere near enough. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you've got a bigger dream? Um, my dream would actually yeah. to be able to have about 200 acres. Oh, and that's a rescue uh, that many. I know rescue as many horses as possible and help as many people as possible. Oh, so it's sort of, um, I can imagine me at the front of the horses and them all following me. Sorry, that's a big dream, isn't it? That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. Uh, yeah. But no, realistically, um, I need something uh, which I'm. I keep putting messages out everywhere at the moment uh, in social media. On um, I go round uh, different farmers, which is not very very good at doing at the moment um asking for more land for for grazing but also to build the business um and i think that's the big problem um farmers don't want to have equine business on their land so Mm. i'm seriously looking for enough land for what i need now but also to slightly expand into the future as well oh good well listen up everybody over there in your part of the world in england uh because you've got the talent the ability and the passion to do it and and how old is your daughter now uh, she's 15. Uh, she so you'll have school. help. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. she's my helper anyway. Yeah, she's my helper. Uh, this is how we can manage to have um, to afford to rescue the horses as well, though. Although I run it as a business, um, there's just me and her that do the main work. Uh, so I don't pay anybody else. Um, people sometimes come and volunteer to help, um, but they're odds now and then. Um, but as well, they're there to learn about the horses. So I'm actually teaching them at the same time as they're um, they're helping. That's great. That's great, Mel. Well, we're happy to put it up in the show notes and let people get a hold of you if they uh, know how to help or how to volunteer or help you feed a horse or two. It would be great. Oh, thank you. You're doing it. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, thank yeah. you. It would be great. Yeah, no. So uh, I'd love to have you back sometime and uh, you can give us updates on how is it going over there. But I appreciate you staying up for us tonight. No, you're welcome. That's lovely. No, thank you, Debbie. It's fantastic. Good. Melanie Hetfield, we'll, we'll put the website for her. What's your website? Go ahead and say it out loud. Um, it is uh, melaniehetfield-equineservices.com. Well, thank you for that. Mel Hetfield and Equine Services, thank you for joining us today on Horsemanship Radio. Um, we're really excited because Sean's Omega Fields company has done something amazing for one of our test horses. His name is Cadillac. And we felt so strongly about it that um, 
we definitely wanted to bring him on as a sponsor of Horsemanship Radio. And we wanted you to know that it came in that um, order first, is that we were so impressed with this product and with this horse's results that we wanted to have him a part of our, um, our monthly shows. What is it about the Omega Fields product? Something's different. Omega Fields uh, was built around a really um, unique and proprietary technology. Flaxseed has been known for a long time to contain rich source of omega-3 fatty acids along with omega-6 and omega-9 fatty acids in, in a near-perfect balance. But historically, there was a problem using it. It's high in fat, and when it was uh, milled into a feed product or a food product, it, it would go rancid very quickly. So our company had developed a proprietary technology for stabilizing this high-fat flaxseed to make it usable, uh, give it a long shelf life in a natural uh, environment. We don't use any chemicals or additives to mm-hmm. extend the shelf life or anything like that. It's a completely natural process. That's what makes our flax really different. Um, it makes it usable. It makes it nutritious over a long period of time. We guarantee an 18-month shelf life, so consumers can use it with confidence without it going rancid that you know would potentially harm the horse. So quality of manufacture, every single thing in that uh, product, Omega Horse Shine, is food grade. It's made at a food grade facility with great care of product quality. Uh, the stabilization technology makes that omega-3 uh, nutrition, nutritional value locked in and usable for a long period of time. So proof is in the pudding, so to speak, that it, it really works. You'll see dramatic results in a fairly short period of time. Petra Moser is from Basel, Switzerland, and she mainly grew up with dressage and show jumping horses. She's been around horses most of her life, though, and after college, she decided to study equine communication science based on the concepts of Monty Roberts at a private academy close to Berlin, Germany. Wishing to learn more about join up and the training techniques using the horse's natural language, she followed the path of becoming a Monty Roberts certified instructor, and she uh, left the academy in 2008. She had been working with different Monty Roberts instructors and horse trainers in Switzerland, Germany, Portugal, England, and the USA. And in 2009, Petra was a a member of the German tour team and part of the core staff during Monty's science trials in England. In 2009 and 2010, she also spent several weeks working at a horse rescue center and completing her internship at Flag is Up Farms in California. After becoming an instructor in May 2010, Petra is now working with horses and teaching classes all around Europe. Being involved in the Monty Roberts tours in German-speaking countries since 2009, she is the organizer and co-promoter of the tour that will take place this spring, 2016, in South Germany and Austria. Well, welcome, Petra Moser from Basel, Switzerland. Did I say that right, Petra? Perfect. Perfect. Yeah? Beautiful part of the world. So what a wonderful place to grow up. Did you grow up with horses? Yes, I did grow up with, my, with horses. Um, my mum was into horses and her mum was into horses. And I started riding when I was very small. And then I was lucky enough that my mum kind of convinced my dad to have our own horses. So I was, I'm riding all my life, really. Yeah, yeah. Little girls and horses, too. I'm, you were lucky that she convinced. Good job. <laughs> your, your dad paid for it all. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he did. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> well, you're a talented girl. I mean, you're, you've got the cerebral side and the horsey side, which we all wish we had, um, because you, you went to school to study the, the communication system of horses and you went to a specialty school. It's not something that we ha- have so much here in the U.S., um, but it is quite a, a force in, in getting a degree in equine communication and, and equine science in Europe, right? Yeah, it's more and more upcoming, really, that there's everything more, everyone's trying to put everything more um, on a scientific level, really, and it, especially in Germany. It's coming now in Switzerland as well, but especially in Germany, they are kind of lots of equine science you can uh, study this, this time, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and w- what made you kind of go off, I mean, if, if I look at the natural horsemanship world, a lot of it came out of the Western United States, which is about as far as I can picture from, uh, you know, Berlin, Germany and, and the real disciplined, uh, and very kind. You, Germans are very kind to their horses, uh, very disciplined, but very kind. So how did you get into the natural horsemanship world? I think my, both my older sisters, they, um, work with horses traditionally. So they both have an education in traditional horsemanship, um, in Switzerland, and I was never too convinced that I wanted to go this way. And I actually saw Montin TV and then I um saw one of his demonstrations and I went there and then I um I thought, Oh, that's very interested and interesting and then I took a course with one of his instructors who founded that academy um and applied for it and they took me. So I was very lucky. There's only like forty people they take for the first year and I was very lucky to be one of them and kind of getting into it a lot more and more and more um, just make me interested in it a lot more and more and more. It's like um, we sometimes hear here with the courses that if if a student starts and to go um, go down that way and learns a lot more about the horse's natural behavior and the natural language, um, you kind of stay hooked with it because it's just mm-hmm. what it is there. It's not only about the training technique. It's about what the horse is, how we can communicate with the horses in general. So mm-hmm. it's very complementary to what you want to do. It's not just like um, a specific part. It's not only about the round pin work, but whatever we do with the horse, we kind of constantly communicate with them anyways with our body language. And it's about using that to our advantage and have what we actually say with our body language in line, what we want them to teach, what we want to teach them. So whatever you whatever you do with your horse, um, you're constantly communicating, and so it's very handy for all sorts of discipline or whatever you want to do, really. Mm-hmm. So it fascinated you, and you wanted to learn more about this this skill. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and some people that I find are fascinated by horses um, fall into kind of two camps. There are those people that just really want to be with the horses, and they're fascinated by their language, by their um, what they what they can do and what you can do with them. And then there are people that have all that, but they also love imparting that to other people. You seem to be, from what I know, a a great teacher, and you seem to um, work well with people, and and that seems to be your course. How did did you know that you didn't want to just be with horses, that you wanted to also impart this to other people? I... um... I, from just for my own personal personality, whatever I've done in my life, I always like to um, to be someone who is kind of helping to 
one party to understand the other party. So whatever mm-hmm. I've done work-wise or or in school or whatever, always had a little bit to do with how can you can can we communicate and understand each other a lot better. And so I really, really love teaching anyways, and I love to um, to share with people the experience and the enthusiasm, how, how um, nice it is if you can actually communicate with your horse. And then it's a lot about um, also learning a lot from the students and um, through, because everyone has a little bit of a different approach. So mm-hmm. some people come up with ideas you never would have thought of. And so you also learn a lot from what people are doing, but also from their mistakes. And then you, you explain the things a little bit different or you have to think about how to explain something. So it's kind of getting more consciously, consciously about for yourself. So mm-hmm. actually your horse work improves a lot just through teaching as well. And it's just very rewarding if you have students that kind of have this, you know, opening a new world to them and, and, and they start to understand. And it's also for the horses because you can train the horses, but in the end, because it's the people creating the problems for the horses mm, or the people yeah. that want something from the horses. If you don't train the people to do it right, how can the horses get it right? And, and I think that's, um, that's a big, that's a big thing there for me. But I, it's definitely from my personality. I really like to teach people and to be around people and and to help them and to um, get them a, a different, um, a different awareness of what they're doing with their horses. Mm, no, bless your heart. You're very patient because I, yeah. you know, because not only are you dealing with um, teaching people a, re- a pretty new concept. I mean, in the world of horsemanship, um, it really hasn't been a mass. Um, knowledge, discipline, natural horsemanship, or join up, or, it hasn't been around a long time. So you really are re, you're ch- changing muscle memory for a lot of people. How, how is that? How do you get that old muscle memory out and getting people into, um, well, you know, how, how is it that when you've got people raised up with people saying, well, when all else fails, just give them a good whack? Yeah. Well, some people, they, they are um, people that are very, very natural and very, um, they just do things right instinctively because mm-hmm. they've been around horses and they already learn from horses, but they're not really aware of what they are doing. So some students come and they're really, really talented. Um, and then you have other students that do not really know how to move around a horse properly. They kind mm-hmm. of a little bit um, doing lots of movements um, that are um, causing misunderstandings between them and the horses. So it's a little bit harder to work with them. And then it's just about to get them an awareness of their body language. So you do all sorts of practical exercises. You give them a theoretical background. But then if they think too much about it, they have no chance <laughs> to really get into practice. So yeah. um, you do a lot of pra- we do a lot of practical exercises that really helps them and and um and it's kind of you start with small steps and get them the right feeling for where do they have to position their body and what does that mean and kind of get them an awareness of seeing also the reaction in the horse and kind of adjust their body language accordingly. So it's a, it's a lot of practice they have to do and, 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 and here on Flaggisup Farms, you have got very nice facilities where you actually um, can do all sorts of exercises at all, all sorts of different places with all sorts of different horses and that really, really helps Mm. to um to get them the right feeling because all the horses are a little bit different and if they have the chance to work with many horses and many different mm-hmm. places that really helps mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you keep them off balance a little bit, right? So you keep yeah. throwing new situations at them and until that becomes a new muscle memory, I guess, essentially. Yeah. And you have, you obviously have to guide it through it, but then get them and, and tell them a little bit in the beginning what they have to do. It's a little bit like driving. You have to tell them where everything is and then they start to drive. And when they know the techniques and, and they know how to you know, to, to use the wheel and everything and, 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 and the indicators, everything, you can let them have more traffic and just kind of start to read, well, where do I have to drive left? Do I have to drive right? Do I have to stop? And all these things. So yeah. you kind of build it up like this. Yeah, great. Well, you're, you're going to be teaching courses or maybe you already are. I know you're in California right now, but you're teaching classes all around Europe. Um, and is that in European countries only? Are you in UK too? It is mainly in the in the German speaking countries, but I kind of travel so much at the moment because I want want to see a lot, and um, and I've got so many people that want me to come there and there and there. So I kind of got nice. a little bit more independent back home, so I'm not kind of tied to a place I have to run. So I, I can really go and 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 see people and help other instructors when they give courses, but also yeah, on my own. I, I've been quite a bit in the UK, um, but also in other countries. I also plan to to visit a, a couple of other fellow instructors to um to see how they are working and and to work with their students as well. Yeah, and but yeah, and learn. I give on myself mainly in the German-speaking countries, Germany, Switzerland, and Austria. Yeah. What a life. Doesn't that sound fun? I'm sure there's a lot of people just sighing right now going, I know it's hard work, but you know, but it It is is. some people's dream that would, would love to just cut the cord and run around the world learning from horses and teaching other people. Um, so you're going to be involved in the Monty Roberts tours in Germany in the German speaking countries. Um, and you have been in the past, but you've got another one coming up this spring. Tell us a little bit about what you got planned for that. Um, we've got a trip planned end of April, beginning of May, and we will be in South Germany mainly because we've been up in North Germany last year. And it will be um, Zweibrücken, and then we will be in Darmstadt, and then in Bavaria. So it's the Frankfurt area and Bavaria, and then we will be in Austria, um, close to Vienna somewhere. And then there is mm-hmm. another one called Stadelpaura. I'm not too familiar with the Austrian geography, so I think it's in Oberösterreich. But um, yeah, so it's exciting to go back to Austria because we haven't been there in a while. So it's yeah. basically, apart from one location, it's all locations we've never been before. And especially Austria, because we haven't, the last time we've been to Austria was in 2011. And ah, so, so everyone is quite of excited to go back to Austria because um, we have so many people asking again and again, when do you come back to Austria? So that will be nice. That will be nice. Well, good. We'll put up the dates in the show notes so that people um, can find out how to get tickets eventually to that. And and we are lucky enough because there's a lot of instructors in in, in the German-speaking countries these days. We've got many instructors in Germany, but also two now in Austria. And um, it's nice because we involve all of them and then people have the chance that it's not only Monty that that can do that but also that they can learn it as well and they can see that through the instructors and um, they can talk to them and ask them whether they want to um, where they can get courses and things um, but it's it's nice we're a very good team and we're really really happy because um, 
we can show the people a lot better these days uh, what it is all about. And it's not only about the round pen work; it's also how do you how do you use showing up on a day to day basis. And it's a lot um, closer. We're a lot closer to the horse owners and to the volunteers coming there, and also with the audience. There's a lot better exchange and of ideas, and and they can ask a lot more questions. That's fantastic. Yeah, it is a great team. Um, I can let everybody know too, because you guys have worked together now for a number of years and you, 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 I don't know how you guys break up your division of duties, but some people help with the loading and some people help with the starting and the join ups. Yeah. And it, it's just a fine tuned, it's like a German running machine <laughs> over there, you guys. <laughs> a fine car mobile over there. And, uh, it is, it's fun for people to watch. And the audiences are large in Germany and very appreciative. Yeah. And yeah. we also have instructors coming from other countries just because they want to be part of it. That's so they right. Take all the, they take all the, the hustle to um, get into a plane or get into the car and just drive over to Germany, Austria, wherever you ever are. That's right. That's right. You've yeah. had them come from Sweden and Denmark and, yeah. and uh, all around so to Italy. It's wonderful. Wonderful. So I hope everybody uh, that has within earshot of that can, can uh, plug into that and have some fun and uh, come meet Petra Moser from Basel, yeah. Switzerland. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for being with us today, Petra, on Horsemanship Radio. Thank you very much for having me. Hi, I'm Monty Roberts, and I know that I'm transforming the lives of horses globally. You can learn to do it, too, on my Equus Online University. There's a new lesson on there each week, all the way from join-up to advanced. Watch world's champions give their lessons. Join at MontyRoberts.com. Go to my Equus Online University. You can transform your horse, too. Jamie Jennings, I am so glad to reach you by phone on your farm. How are you? I am doing good. I'm having, you may hear some two-year-old crying or some chickens in the background. I can't I promise it's it. going to be a smooth. This <laughs> smooth is not an call. official interview. We, we, we actually kind of ambushed Jamie here today because we want to ask her and put her on the spot if she will help us out in 216. And I think all our listeners are going to love this idea. Um, we are going to start a new segment called Ask Monty because Jamie has committed to being a student um, and she's coming out to Flag Is Up Farms in 2016 and wants to know um, how to be a horse whisperer and how to get her certification and how to work with those Mustangs like she did last year, last summer in Gentling Wild Horse Course. And so, Jamie, I want to ask you if you, um, put you on the spot here, if you would like to be our segment for um, the Ask Monty Q&As. Now, what that means is, before you answer, <laughs> before you answer, <laughs> be it careful, means, Jamie, be very, very yeah. careful. Right, you have an out still. That means that people write in, I get probably about 100 questions a week from people all over the world that ask the craziest questions, but there's always a core need at the center of understanding the horse. Why does my horse do this? Why doesn't my horse do that? And Monty picks one. He gets, he has the ultimate choice. He picks the ones that are the most broadly educational and then he answers them. Have you, have you looked at those before, Jamie? Have you ever seen those we post? It's my favorite email I get every week. It's the Ask Monty. Oh, well, great. Great. Okay. So you kind of know the format. So what I need, I was looking for somebody who's a good student, um, who I knew was searching for the information. You're a seeker and would read those, uh, to us 
on every episode of Horsemanship Radio. Would you do that for us? You know what? Being a part of this show and being a part of that, any legacy of Monty Roberts is a total honor. I would absolutely do that. Are you kidding me? I get to like chat with you all the time, a couple times a month and, and read words that um, the master has written. So of course. Oh, that's really nice. Well, the questions are often in broken English and <laughs> and kind of not the easiest stuff. So I had to get somebody who's really a good pro at this. So I really appreciate that. That's right. Nice words. And I think it'll be really interesting to, uh, to get people um, seeing the broad uh, array of questions. And, you know, sometimes it's like raising kids, right? You know, you think you're the, you're an island, right? Nobody could have gone through this massive education of, of having a child, but everybody out there did it. And you just don't want to feel like an Island. So people come up with these questions and they feel like only their horse, you know, was probably this, this issue. It was either them or their horse. And it's not, you know, everybody has these, these things that they're working on. So does that mean that I can, that I can call Monty and ask him how to get my two year old to stop crying before nap time? You could try. Two hours. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. Separate. separate. (laughs) (laughs) No, he's pretty good with kids too. I have to say, I don't know if I knew this, but we had we had forty-seven foster kids growing up too. So um, there was a lot of kids through the house. So he might have a two-year-old trick. Most of them were like, you know, who I should call. I could call your mama. Yeah, you're right about that. <laughs> My mama would be a better, actually, a resource for you. <laughs> yeah, and most well, of these kids were teenagers, so, you know, um, you, you got to get there first. But, but go ahead. Go ahead, Jamie. Oh, no. I just, uh, of course, it would be an absolute honor to be a part of this segment. And um, I, I, I thank you for asking me. Good. Well, we're rolling that out for 2016. So you're going to hear a little bit of Ask Monty by a nighttime story by Jamie Jennings. <laughs> we're going <laughs> to. Maybe we should have some nice. We should have some nice soothing bedtime story music at the beginning of it. It might help. Yeah. It might help that adrenaline. Start down. out with like, dear Monty. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Read it as it's written. I love it. I love the idea. I love that. You know, it's just, it's a different media. The people that maybe get the emails are not the same people that are on the university, and those might not be the same people that listen to uh, your show. So you're kind of, you know, fortunately, you're tying it all in together and, and making it all, you know, you're sharing the media within all of it, and all of it is to get Monty's words out there and let people know that they're, like you said, not an island. They're not alone. Other people have these problems. And, you know, you can learn so much just by, just by hearing somebody else ask a question mm-hmm. and get the answer that you need. So I, I think it's a fantastic idea. And of course, I'm, I'm honored to be a part of it. Thanks very much, Jamie. Okay. Well, we'll be looking for you on Ask Monty in 2016. Thanks again. Absolutely. Thank you. Beverly Gray gives us a great tip. She's an endurance rider who's always evolving and learning. Well, welcome back, Beverly Gray. How are you doing, Beverly? Oh, I'm wonderful, Debbie. Thanks again for having me on again. I really appreciate it, and I really love your show. Oh, thank you so much. And we were really excited to have you back because our trainer's tip is really that pearl, that, that you know, the best part of the show for me because I, I get to talk to all these great 
uh, trainers like you and, uh, and get a glean some bit of wisdom that we can share with, uh, you know, I always think of a, like a 12 year old girl thinking here she is at the, the beginning of her career. And she probably has so many great questions that I wish I remembered that far back. I can't remember, but, but, uh, what do you have for us today that you'd like to share? Well, I don't think there's any shortcuts in endurance, Debbie. There's not just one magic formula or one particular bit or one particular saddle that makes you a winner. I think as a 12-year-old and working with horses like I did, I learned a lot. I learned from my mistakes, mm-hmm. and I didn't do those mistakes again, but technology and and uh, training has changed a bit, and endurance was a pretty new sport when I, well, not too new, but it was pretty early mm-hmm. uh, when I got started, and so, you know, things changed, including clothing. I, I ride in some very comfortable clothing. I have a magnificent English saddle that I like to ride in, mm-hmm. but it is, like I said, it's available for your whole family mm-hmm. to enjoy the sport. And wished my whole family could come, could have enjoyed it with me when I was very young. But, you know, I was out there learning and, and enjoying the miles and the new trails and a magnificent horse that I had at that time. So always learning. We are always, always learning. So stay a student, stay a student of the game because it changes, I guess. The conditioning changes, the, the clothing, the equipment changes. And, um, that, that's a good tip. Yeah. That's, it's a good, it's good to be a student for life, Beverly, and I appreciate that that's probably why you've endured in uh, your sport of endurance racing. Thanks very much for joining us again. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged. January 9th, he has his night of inspiration. That's fun food and conversations with Monty and Pat at Flagazette Farms. And then March 5th, March 11th, and March 19th, he'll be over in England. He's heading to Kent and uh, to Reese Heath College, Cheshire East, and to uh, an evening with Martin Clunes, too. A lot of people, you know him as Doc Martin, in Dorset. And then April 9th, he heads over to Willemsborg, a demonstration in Denmark. And then May 23 through June 3, he has his Gentling Wild Horses course at Flagazette Farms. It's a lot of fun. And then July 17 through 21, Monty Special Training, translation in Portuguese. And then August 1st through 5th, Monty Special Training, in English at Flagazette Farms in uh, Solvang, California. Then we've got some special dates added. We've got March 19 and 20. That's joining Pat Roberts for a Wild at Heart weekend in California at Flagazette Farms. And then March 21, the next day after, we've got Horse Sense for Leaders at Flagazette Farms. And March 21 through 23, Monty will be with his certified instructors. And this meetup is in England. It's our annual certified instructors meetup. Woohoo! And if you didn't get all that automatically, you can go to MontyRoberts.com and his calendar is there as long, along with lots of other great information. Or you can go old school and give him a call at 805-688-6288. For details about today's show, you can go to HorsemanshipRadio.com where you'll find links, pictures, and more information. As always, we do love your feedback. Please follow mm-hmm. us on Facebook at Monty Roberts. 
And yes, Monty Roberts is on Twitter. Go to twitter.com and it's Monty underscore Roberts. And you can get the app to have the Horsemanship Radio Show with you wherever you go, along with the other Horse Radio Network shows. You can put it on your Android or iPhone. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. Yes, and many thanks to our sponsors. That's IFA.com, Omega Fields, and Monty Roberts University, Equus Online University. And be sure to visit all the other great shows on the Horse Radio Network. That's www.horseradionetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours. <music> 